Hey, what's up? This is DQ from Axe DQ TV, and you are listening to the Xavier Cooper Podcast Show. Welcome, everybody. This is the second episode of the Xavier Cooper Podcast Show. Um, today, I have a special guest. His name is Phil Veasley. Um, he works for uh, the ATL Sports Headquarters, um, which covers like every Atlanta sport from um, Atlanta United to the Atlanta Hawks to the Atlanta Falcons. And um, he's here today um, to talk about the NBA. And so, as you know, it's been a lot of crazy things going on in the NBA so far. A lot of drama, a lot of um, surprises. Um, there's been a lot going on. So um, he's here to help me um, discuss these things. And um, let's do it. Yeah, how's it going, everybody? Uh, make sure you follow me at underscore ATLPhil on Twitter and Instagram. All right. So... First things first, um, because you follow, because you are right about Atlanta sports, um, let's get into the Rookie of the Year candidates. Um, let's talk about who you think is a Rookie of the Year candidate. Obviously, Trey Young is going to be in the mix, and you cover him a lot, so you know all about his game and everything. Um, tell me, who is your Rookie of the Year candidate so far? Yeah, right now it has to be uh, Luka Doncic out of Dallas. He's definitely – he's pretty much carrying Dallas – to a respectable record in a very tough Western Conference. If you would have asked me two weeks ago, it would have been Trey Young, but his shooting has fallen off a cliff as of late. Yeah, I I agree. Um, Trey Young shooting has been horrible, and um, Luka Doncic is is playing like like we thought he would play. You know, he's just adapting to the NBA. Just he's basically adapting to another professional league. He's been you know playing in Europe for a long time since he was a teenager, and so. Just taking that step over to the NBA, of course, he would probably have the easiest, um, the easiest route. You know, he's done this before, kind of. Um, Trey Young, he's not doing bad, but like you said, the shooting is horrible. Um, everything else, the assists, defense is okay um, for for him. We know he would never be like really a, a crazy good defender, or Patrick Beverly, or Mike Conley, or nothing like that. But he um, he's been doing good so far. I put him. Probably second, probably runner-up as the rookie of the year. But, um, yeah, I have to agree with you. Luka Doncic is, man, he's doing some amazing stuff, you know. Yeah, when you look at Trey Young, uh, they might want to start taking him off, off the ball a little bit because when you look at the stats, he's shooting 15% on pull-up threes right now. Uh, he either needs to take a step in or get in some more catch-and-shoot threes where he's shooting 38%. So you might want to uh, stagger the minutes a little bit different, play him alongside Jeremy Lin a little bit more, maybe uh, get the ball out of his hands and into DeAndre Bembry's hands a little bit. But then it's a delicate balance. Coach LP has a lot to worry about because you don't want to start messing with his assists, which he's averaging like eight a game. Last time I checked, he was up there like top five in the entire league in assists. And that's with uh, playing with a lot of guys that can't even catch the ball. <laughs> no, that's that's so true, and uh, I was gonna hit on that point too. Um, I think part of his shooting problem is that he doesn't have anybody else, another wing to free him up or help him out. You know, everybody else has at least that. You know, every elite point guard has somebody on their team to kind of help with that load. You look at Boston, Kyrie has Tatum. You know, um, Steph Curry has Clay and KD, of course. You know, even even Westbrook. You know, has Paul George. You know, you need somebody to help you get open a little bit. Right now, you know, they double-team Trey Young, and it's like he either makes a really good pass to somebody open, they either knock it down or they don't. Most of the time, they, they don't, <laughs> you know. 
you only you can only do so much with Dwayne Detman and Alex Lynn, you know. And so I think once they get another shooter in there, some of that some of that will help free him up and he'll be, you know, he'll be shooting a little bit better than he has been. Um what do you think about the guy out um in LA with the Clippers, um, Shy Gilgis, um, Alexander? Yeah, he's been beasting out there and shout out to the Clippers. They they're feasting. They're like twelve and six. They're good for like second in the West right now. Nobody saw that coming. Uh I thought they would be decent, but nobody saw this. Um he's really been balling. He's really been carrying them and helping them uh really get off to a really good start. And he's really he's a really good player. He could be looking at he could get himself into the conversation of the all rookie team. Yeah, I agree. I I have him third just because of just because of record and how much he how how much he um puts in um to towards the record. You know what I mean? Like that does count for something. And nobody expects um a rookie to come come right away and help a team win that many games, especially in the West. You know, and the West is deep. You know, it's it's some people in the West that that would be like top five in the East. But in the West, they're they're out of the playoffs right now. If right. it started, the West is really like fourteen deep this year. You have Utah in fourteenth place at eight and eleven. You know that that's a borderline playoff team in the East. Yeah, you're so right. And um, yeah, with the Warriors out there, you know, of course they were favored to come in as the guys who was going to win the championship easily, hands down. Especially after they added Boogie Cousins, and now it's like. I don't know. It's kind of competitive out there. You got, like you said, L.A. You got um, OKC up at the top. You got Memphis. Memphis. Yeah, Memphis. Um, shoot, even the Kings are like kind of in the mix, but kind of not. You know, they're right there. I think they're sitting right outside of the um, the playoffs, and they almost beat the Warriors last night. Right. <laughs> of course, they don't have a Steph Curry, but still, you know, they got two All Stars. Three, really? Three. Yeah. Clay, Count Clay, Draymond Green. Yeah. Yeah, and so um, just speaking about the Warriors and the West, uh, it's been a lot of drama just there, and I don't know if that had I don't know if that's really um, hurting them, hindering them, or not. But um, yeah, it's been a lot of you know Draymond Green and KD talk. Um, as you all know, they got into a little argument after um, after a game. I forget which game it was, but Clippers game. Yeah, it was the Clippers game, and. Um, Draymond Green came down, and I don't know what he was trying to do, but <laughs> um, Katie was pretty mad. It's like you know, I'm I'm like a top three scorer in the league right now. Like in those moments, you get me the ball, and you get out the way. And um, I think he felt like, dude, like you're messing us up. And so they got into an argument after the game. Um, things got heated. Um, some people called some people some words that you shouldn't call people, and. <laughs> I think it kind of messed up the um, the chemistry. Um, you know, in the public, they make it seem like it's nothing bad. But, I mean, once you call a guy something like that, it's going to be some animosity. And, um, of course, Steph Curry's gone. And I feel like when Steph Curry gets back, they're going to feel like, okay, everything is all right. But um, do you think, do you think um, that argument and the chemistry and free agency and things of that nature, do you think that's going to affect them long term? Do you think – there's a team out there that can um, feed off that negativity and and pull an upset on the Warriors. I don't know about upset, but um, for Draymond to have gotten suspended, there might have been something more that happened in the locker room that somehow hasn't gotten out yet. But uh, eventually, Golden State just has too much talent. 
no matter what. They could hate each other. They have too much talent to let any other team really beat them. I think the only team that remotely has a chance is the Lakers, and that's just because they have LeBron, not necessarily that they're the second-best team out there. It's just the LeBron effect. You know, LeBron just knows how to win. He knows how to play the Warriors. He's played them like five times now. But at the end of the day, when Steph Curry comes back, Warriors probably going to go on like a 15-game win streak, and then everybody will forget about this pretty much. <laughs> yeah, that, I think that's what I think that's what everybody thinks. Um, they're going to pretty much just have too much talent to even worry about that, and they're going to come together and just it's going to be kumbaya, and players are going to be like, look, let's just let's just get this together and win this ring. Like we all know we're too good. Nobody can't stop us. Um, but you know, we got Boogie Cousins coming back later on this year. So we'll see how that does. Sometimes, you know, bringing bringing back somebody that good and throwing them in the mix with a bunch of other All-Stars, it can be kind of problematic, you right. know. And They'll probably go on another little, little losing streak when they're trying to integrate him in. But come playoff time, I think they'll think be they'll fine. they'll be ready? Yeah, they'll be ready. <laughs> Man, I, I, I tend to agree. Um, I don't think anyone can really um, beat them outside of maybe the Lakers, and I'll talk about that later and why I think that but um yes i mean just besides the finals like you know after this season it's it's kind of it's kind of over as far as like just that core somebody has to go and it's going to be either clay thompson or um kevin durant they're both free agents after this season um who do you think is the first to go and why honestly i think they both leave i think clay thompson will be ready to show the world that hey i can be a top 10 player in this league I can lead the league in scoring. I really think he's going to want to go somewhere to his own team. And uh, KD, you know, all right, so this will be three rings for him. That'll be four and five years for the Warriors, assuming they win this year. He's going to want to he, – he got his little rings. He got his vacation. Now he's going to want to go back somewhere where he can be the leader of the team and show, hey, I can do this by myself. Well, not necessarily by myself, but I can do this as the number undisputed leader of a team. So I think he'll go somewhere where he can be the bona fide star as well as Klay Thompson. Okay, that's that's interesting. I've I've actually never heard I haven't heard anybody um um say that like from that from that point of view. Um, so if you so if it, if that's true and you think that both of them might leave, do you think it's a chance that they can keep Boogie Cousins if that happens? Yeah, I think in that case, you know, they'll try to sign. Depending on how he looks when he comes back, they'll try to sign him to a decent maybe two year. Two years, sixty, two year, fifty-five million dollar contract. See what he can do in those two years. I mean, a Steph and a Boogie Cousins team with Draymond Green. That's still, I mean, that's still competing for, for, for a title. Yeah, that's that's still yeah, that's that's pretty good. And from a defensive standpoint, you know, if you don't look into analytics and things of that nature, from a defensive standpoint, that's still a pretty good team. Yeah. Like you, you got D Cuz and and. Draymond down there, you're not you're not getting no no shots at the rim at all, like. <laughs> but um, I mean, how do you think Boogie Cousins will fit in the team coming back? I really don't know because that's a lot of that's a lot of players who that's a only one ball and a lot of players who like to have the ball. So I really don't know how this is gonna work. I mean, honestly, I don't see him playing more than about twenty minutes a game because you know the Warriors. When it comes down to it, they like to go smaller than than going bigger. They're not gonna really play Draymond, KD, and Boogie Cousins at the same time. That just doesn't really fit their offense. And when you've won three titles in four years, 
do you really want to tinker with your system at all, really? So you really, I don't know. We're, we're, it's going to be interesting as to how this will work, but he can definitely be a weapon off the bench for them. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm I'm confused. I'm just as confused. Um, I just don't know how he will fit in. Like you said, it's it's too much. Too many people would have to touch the ball, and um, I think in Cousins, um, in Cousins, uh, way like style of play, I feel like that'll um that'll hinder his versatility and whatnot. They'll probably have to turn him into like a, a pick and roll guy strictly, or a pick and pop guy, depending on how good he can still shoot the three. Um, he won't be able. He won't have to do all the things he did when he was with um, Sacramento. You know, he led the league and he led the, um, the team in everything. I mean, he was like taking the most jump shots. He was like um, putting up the most assist numbers, rebound numbers. It was crazy. Like he was, he was the team when he was on there. So now he's gonna have to like sit back and just do and try to do one thing good, which in my opinion that could be the post up, go just feed him in the post. Are just pick and roll. I mean, you can't stop him. So, you know, he's just like, gonna. Like, you can't leave the shooters. You can't. You got to stay true to everybody. I mean, they could have five. <clears throat> they could have five all stars on the floor, pretty much. Mm-hmm. They could. They could. I just hope they don't turn him into a spot up shooter. Like, um, when Kevin Love came to the Cavs, I hope that doesn't happen. Like, I, I just think too many big men in the league are just shooting way too many threes right now. Um, speaking of big men shooting threes. Um, what do you think about the whole Jimmy Butler being traded from um, the Minnesota Timberwolves and um, leaving Carl uh, Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins to fend for themselves? Actually, I haven't seen too many Minnesota games since they left, but the one I did see, uh, Minnesota, they looked a lot freer. They looked a lot happier. They looked a lot more loose, and they won pretty big. But the Jimmy to the 76ers, I don't love the move, honestly. Uh, I think Philadelphia gave up two very important pieces to what they do. And also, Philadelphia has no shooting. They have, like, no outside shooting. They really need to make a move. I think they should try to get Kyle Korver, somebody like that. Maybe even J.R. Smith. I mean, I don't know if you'd want him, but Philadelphia needs shooting. Um, but I also I don't love the move because Jimmy Butler kind of carries that reputation now. You know, he got into it. A lot of people forget. The other year, he got into it with Chicago's young players. He really turned them off. And then he gets into it with Minnesota's young players and really turns them off. Uh, you really got to be careful. You have Jimmy Butler. I mean, you have uh, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons and Markel Fultz. You don't want well, Markel Fultz. That's a whole other story. He's already <laughs> turned off. But you, I mean, you have two players that could, could both potentially be top 10 players in the league down the road. You don't want to turn them off. You definitely, uh, Joel Embiid is having an MVP season. So I just, I don't love the move, but um, Embiid and Ben Simmons do seem like they have thicker skin than like Carl Anthony Towns and uh, Andrew Wiggins. So maybe it will work. I just, um, top to bottom, I don't love the team that Philadelphia has. I really don't think it moved the needle that much. Yeah, I, yeah, I was about to say, um, yeah, from just an X's and O's standpoint, um, I still don't think. Yeah, I, I don't think they have enough shooting. Um, they do need a Kyle Korver. Um, JJ Redick is like probably the best like outside shooting threat, but they need a little bit more than um, than just JJ Redick. They need somebody who's going who's going to keep running around the um, perimeter. Somebody who's going um, you know be a threat from like just setting screens like you know a Joel Embiid screen with Kyle Korver out there. That's 
that's gonna be unstoppable. That's like that Kyle Culver's been doing that his whole career, like even when he was down here in Atlanta. And um, yeah, you're right. They need more shooting. Um, as far as like the Jimmy Butler thing goes, um, like you said, I do think that Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid maybe have a little bit more of a a tougher, just tougher skin in general than the players that Jimmy Butler has played with. You know, they're a little bit more. You know, they can take a joke. Joel Embiid, you know, he's he's a big jokester. Like that dude. It might be a good thing and a bad thing. They might butt heads if Jimmy Butler's, you know, too tough on them. You know, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons probably won't have won't they won't stand for it. <laughs> you know, so it might be a good thing, might be a bad thing. I guess we'll see. You know, down the line, we're only what seventeen games in, eighteen games in. Um, yeah, I think I think the trade wasn't necessarily bad, but I don't necessarily think it'll push them to a finals appearance. I don't know if they can they can beat. Boston or the Raptors yet? Yeah, yeah, Milwaukee's great too. I think they, I think they're probably a little underrated. <laughs> um, they beat the Warriors, and it's I don't care Steph Curry or not. I don't know if they had Steph Curry that night, but um, it's still a crazy feat to beat them. And they look it like it looked convincing too, <laughs> you know. And like Giannis, of course, he's like an MVP candidate, and we'll talk about that later as well. And um, but like, what's your Biggest surprises of this year, like team wise or player wise, too. Uh, player wise, I'd go with uh, Kemba and uh, Zach Levine. Now I know Chicago's not good, but Zach Levine, he is putting up serious numbers, and he's doing it rather efficiently. You know, sometimes you see players put up empty stats on bad teams, but he's really having himself a good year. And then Kemba Walker, man, get this man some help. Get him some help. This man is single-handedly keeping Charlotte relevant by himself. I can't even like I can't even name the rest of Charlotte's starting starting lineup. Honestly, I know they still have Marvin, and then they have like um, one of the Zellers. And is Batum still? I haven't even heard his name this year. <laughs> but Charlotte, uh, come on, Michael Jordan, get this man some help <laughs> to something because he. I'm surprised he hasn't forced his way out of there yet. Yeah. Um. Like I said, I mean, that that's a that's a surprise to me too. Kim Walker has always been good, but it's like this year, okay, he's he's taking things to another level. Like he he's not playing no games this year, and like you're right, he does need help. But I think it'll benefit him in the long run. Um, I think it makes him look like an MVP, more of an MVP candidate that he doesn't have help, and he's like willing his his team. Basically, they they probably they have a playoff spot right now if the team if um if the league was to stop right now, um. Yeah, like he's doing he's doing incredible. He really has surprised me. That sixty point game, man, I was like then, didn't he follow it up with like a forty five point game? The next game, man. It was like I'm like, dude, that you are a machine. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, my biggest surprise of this year is um we kind of discussed it before, but I think the Clippers are still a surprise to me. I don't know if it's coaching. I don't know if it's they're just we underrated the players on the team. Um, but to me, they just—I I just don't—I didn't see them making the playoffs and doing it pretty convincingly right now. Like I said, it's early, so they can go on a five-six game losing streak and be out the playoffs. Of course, in the West, but they're looking good so far, and it's—it's it's really shocking me. Like it's—it's it's, and um, OKC actually shocked me too. Um, last year they didn't—they didn't do as good as we thought, and then this year we thought coming in. They're probably gonna be even worse. Are they gonna be the same? They're coming in. They're showing 
you know what? We're we gonna we're gonna step it up. Um, I think the Dennis Shooter trade was underrated. Um, I think getting that helped them um, get a little extra boost off the bench. And um, even when Russell Westbrook's been like been hurt, Dennis Shooter has just come in and just been like, okay, I've been a starter before. Let's do it. You know, and so that, those are my two biggest surprises so far. Um, Blake Griffin on the Detroit Pistons, I think he's he's doing good with them. Um, I didn't think they would they would be that that, that great coming in, so that's another surprise. But um, yeah, so far, um, what do you think about the MVP candidates? Oh, so I'll give my top five, and it's not necessarily in order. But, of course, I have LeBron James. You know, every year, probably until he retires, he's going to be in it. I have Harden. I have Kemba. I know their record's not good, but what he's doing is just incredible. And then Joel Embiid and Giannis Antetokounmpo. I think if I had to choose one right now, uh, <laughs> I guess LeBron, honestly. Because I'd say that roster is not good. <laughs> that is a mismatch, scrapped-together roster, and... They've really been balling. I know they started out slow, but as of late, they've really been balling. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually had him on my list, too. I had LeBron James. And it's it's not just a safe pick to go with, but it's just, like you said, look at the team he has. I mean, like, he has, like, rookies, sophomore, and third-year players mixed in with veterans are, who are, like, way past their prime, mixed with, like, Head cases. Head cases, yeah. Like, you got people who just are known for blowing in people's ears and checking the food candidates. Um, like, LeBron being able to come in and take this team and be, like, I think 11-7 or something like that. Like, you you, you are showing that, like, you are, like, still in tip-top shape and, you can, and you're still, like, the best player on the planet. And um, I, think, I think year in and year out, think he gets cheated sometimes because he's so good that he's put himself on that level to where it's like he has to do something pretty amazing for people to say oh shoot LeBron is in his bag this year it's like LeBron is in his bag every year right <laughs> with teams that that wouldn't even complete compete with other superstars that you put on that superstar level you know you take the, the Cavs last year what LeBron did with them he took them all the way to the finals he got swept by like one of the best teams to ever play in the NBA, but he didn't have any. He really didn't have any help. And um, you take any other superstar and replace them with LeBron James. Can they do the same thing? Ask yourself that. You know, put Kevin Durant in LeBron's shoes. Could he take the Lakers as far as they are? Oh, they would have been out in the first round last year. First round. So it's like, how isn't how isn't LeBron the MVP? Um, some years, you know. And I do like Giannis too as an MVP because. He's another guy who um, probably has an underrated team around him. Like Brooke Lopez and Malcolm Brogdon, those dudes aren't scrubs. You know, those dudes are pretty good too. But the stuff that Giannis is doing, man, he's he's putting up great numbers. and He finally got a real coach. <laughs> yes, man. I'm not just saying this because I'm an Atlanta Hawks fan, but Coach Bud is a really nice coach. Like I, I've seen what he can do with little to nothing. So believe me, like it's no hype around it. This dude is this dude is a, a great coach, you know. Like, I remember that what year was that? Um, it was like when we 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 almost upset the Pacers. Uh, we only had 13, Paul Millsap. Yeah, yeah, we had Paul Millsap was like the star on the team basically at the time. He was he wasn't really considered a star at the time. Um, I think Coach Boy had something to do with that. 
with him becoming sort of considered a star, not a superstar, but just a regular all-star or whatnot. Uh, we had him. Uh, Al Horford was hurt at the time, I think, and we had Jeff T. And we almost upset the Pacers who had, at the time, Paul George, Lance Stevenson. And I believe, did that group go on to go, like, play Miami Heat? I think, yeah. In the yep. Eastern Conference Finals? Mm-hmm. I think they took, that might have been the year they took them to seven. Maybe that was the year before. Yeah. They, was, they took them to either six or seven. Six or seven. They they, they got up, I think, 2-0 on them. And that's what shocked them. Like, whoa. Atlanta Hawks aren't even supposed to be in this predicament. And, um... So I think when it comes to the Milwaukee Bucks, I think Coach Bud is a very underrated coach. Um, he might get Coach of the Year nods, depending on how the team does. Um, right now, my right now my Coach of the Year is <laughs> um, what's his name? The play the um, coach from L.A. But um, Luke Walton or uh, yeah. Doc Rivers. Doc Which, Rivers. Doc yeah, Rivers. <laughs> man, Doc Rivers been around for a long time. <laughs> but uh, a lot of people were saying he's un- he's um he's overrated. When he had Blake Griffin and Chris Paul, because he couldn't do anything with them, and those are, those are two superstars. And now he has like, you can call Lou Williams a superstar. I call him a superstar. He might not start, but he's a superstar in my opinion. Um, now he only has like one kind of mega star, and he's making them look good. So I don't know. I don't know if he's. I don't know what it is, but um, yeah. As far as like coach of the year. Coach Buzz probably he's he's up there. Um, I would think Brad Stevens would have came in and did something too, but the Celtics actually look out of whack. Yeah, you know they only looked good against us. You know people who just seen them against us probably thought, oh man, these Celtics they're great. But nah, trust me, that was just that was just us looking bad. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Like, what do you think is wrong with them? Like, Brad Stevens uh, is a great coach. I think Brad Stevens might be more of a coach talent up coach and not a stars coach. Um, it's kind of hard to explain, but they did really good with just regular players. You know, nobody's going to lead us. We're just going to share and we're just going to get it done when they just had Al Horford, Terry Rozier, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. Now you have two stars you're trying to reintegrate in Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward. And I don't wanna I don't wanna say they're trying to get theirs, but you know, it's like, okay, we're gonna play through us. We're gonna we're gonna play through Kyrie, we're gonna play through Gordon Hayward. And it's almost like it's almost like a coach bud kind of system where you just share the wealth, but that's not how Kyrie really operates. I think they will get it together. Uh as you can see, they obviously have the potential as they destroyed us the other day. <laughs> but it's just it's going to take a lot of figuring out. You know, people underestimate how much time it takes to integrate star players into systems. Yeah, I I, I agree. I think there's an a there's a role issue. You know, you put Jason Tatum in a in a playoff um, in the playoffs in that type of stage, and he's like putting in work in that type of stage. That does a lot for a, a player's confidence, especially a rookie. And so when you um come in the next year. It's like you add all these superstars, and they're like, hey, I know you did good next year, but you kind of got to move over. Let us get our shots. I'm Kyrie Irving. Like, you're not you're not going to get more shots than me, you know? <laughs> like, I think that can take – I think that's um that does something to your to your, um, to your your um mental. You're like, okay, I, I'm, I guess I'm not as good as I, I thought I was, you know? This dude's coming in, and he's putting up all these shots, but we're not getting as many wins as we need to get. Because that's what's happening right now. 
Kyrie's like, you know, he's playing ISO ball and he's getting he's he's getting his you know his points and whatnot, but they're not going nowhere with it. Like they're not getting as many wins as you would think. Right, they're only ten and ten. Yeah, We're twenty games in now at this point. That literally the East the East <laughs> weakness is really saving them at this point because the East is just so weak. <laughs> but that's the only thing that's that's like literally saving them. Um, and they, I mean, they beat up on us the other day. And um, just to hit on that point. What do you think? Because this, this to me, this topic divides like a lot of Hawks fans. What do you think? Um, what is your take on tanking? Like, what do you think about tanking? Do you like it? Dislike it? I hate it. Um, you go out there to win. Period. And these players, they're going out there to win. You, you can never say the team is trying to lose on purpose. Look, look at our roster. <laughs> we could give. A billion percent a night. We're not going to win very many games. Um, I think a lot of people understated the value of Coach Bud last year. And you're even starting to see people talk about Coach Lloyd Pierce. But the thing is, Coach Lloyd Pierce can't can't help them from shooting two from 23, two, two of 23 from three. That's what we started the other night before Jeremy Lin got us a few in the fourth quarter. And we also we started like one for seventeen Wednesday night against Toronto from three. That's not coaching. That guy's not hitting rhythm shots. And thing is, other than Torian Prince, these guys are taking good shots. You know, it's an open guy in the corner, Trey Young on the on the wing. Like I don't I don't understand. What do you want them to do? But all that tanking, all that tanking stuff. People getting mad when we're even in a game. No, that's ridiculous. And gotten many many. Spats over that last year. It's just ridiculous. Stop it. But um, no matter what, we're going to be in position for a top three pick. But also, people, you got to realize this year, just because we're the worst doesn't mean we're getting top pick. It's much The odds are much different, much balanced, much more balanced throughout the whole lottery this year. Uh, the top three all have the same odds, and then it only drops down to like 10 and then 7.5. And like uh, five, it really stays balanced all the way down to like top ten. Even, even um, like thirteen and fourteen have a decent chance of moving up in the lottery. So, being bad is no guarantee. We could slide down three spots easily. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I'm not. A, I'm not a big fan of tanking either. Just because we don't know. We don't know what these college players are gonna do and what how the game is gonna translate. You know, everybody's like slobbering over Zion Williamson right now, and um R.J. Barrett. But I mean, yeah, they're good. But what what is Zion Williamson in the NBA right now? You know, if you were to put him in the NBA right now, it's like, you know, we don't even really know his game outside of we know that that boy is that boy can jump out the gym, he can run the floor at. 260 pounds and he's like super strong you know we know the we know the physical aspect is there but like we don't really know if his IQ is like fully there we don't know we don't know what he can truly do what kind of skill set he has we don't know if he can consistently shoot the three we don't know if he has post moves we don't we don't know all that stuff yet so you know you talk about tanking and tanking for players that we don't even know their full game yet you know so far, those players have done good at Duke, but you know, just to lose, just to get one player that you don't even know is gonna be good. That is just absurd. Like, and another part of that, these players they have feelings too. You gotta remember, a lot of these young guys have never lost in their life at any level. 
high school, they probably went 30-0 and every year, won championships. College, you know, most of these top-tier players, they were winning conference championships, making it to the uh, NCAA tournament. And then you come here and we're on a 10-game losing streak, that's hard on them. You know, these players, they, they need a win. They really need a feel-good game because the last thing you want is players not believing in themselves. And that's where it comes, that's where anti-tanking comes in. You don't want these players, you know, if, another thing, these players are playing for their next contract too. So to think that they're just going to go out and lose on purpose, nah, because half of these guys won't even be here next year. So why, why should they want to lose on purpose? And that's why we saw Kent Bazemore and multiple players last year getting downright mad at us fans for being mad at a few of those wins. Yeah, I saw it. Yeah, I, I saw it. I, I knew coming in we were gonna be a bad team. You got a bunch of young players that don't they don't really know what they're doing in the NBA, and um, like you said, that affects them mentally. Um, last like like two nights ago, I saw it with Trey Young, man. His his shooting was just just horrible. But it wasn't just that. It's like he's used to his shot going in all the time. Like in the college level, I mean, he was putting up forty four points, uh, forty points shooting like a crazy good three-point percentage. Like this is new to him and I'm pretty sure inside it's like eating him alive that he's not he's not getting what he wants to get on this level. And people all people can think about is, hey, as long as we losing and we get Zion Williamson next year, or we get RJ Barrett next year, um just keep losing. Like you you do realize that the uh, player development um it depends on you ha- you have to win some games to get that confidence going. You can't just keep losing. You know, you don't want to practice losing because if they don't win, they don't have anything to look forward to. And free agency as well. Like, players don't even want to come to a team that they know isn't trying to win. Like, they don't want to come to that. You have to – a player has to show that they can um, go out there every night, compete, and then maybe in the summertime a a free agent like Clay Thompson or Kevin Durant will want to play with them because they say, hey, I can play with a young team that's on the come up. I mean, that's what LeBron did in free agency. He saw he saw where the team was going. He knew Brandon Ingram and um, Kyle Kuzma and Lonzo. They were only they're only gonna get better, not gonna get worse. You know, they're young, and so you know, as far as tanking goes, just 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 stop it. Try. I mean, you know, GMs are gonna do what they want to do. Um, I was reading something the other day, and somebody was saying that um, GMs purposely pick certain players that statistically don't mesh well and they just pick them and when they get on the floor the X's and O's and the stats don't match up so like they will put like um, not not them specifically but just as an example they might put like a Jeremy Lin with um, together with a Deadman or something like that and statistically um, they might not match they might not match well because one player might be a a, um, a player that's not willing to pass as much the next player might be an ISO player and creating creating a statistic nightmare. So they say a lot of GMs actually like purposely go out and look for players they know won't match well on the floor together, and that's a part of the tanking that doesn't look obvious. And I'm like, hmm, that's a creative way to, to tank. I don't, I'm not I'm not with tanking, but that, that that's like very creative. Um, yeah, so I'm not I'm not with the whole the whole tanking thing. Yeah, and I honestly I don't think we're trying. To tank because I don't think we would have signed Vince Carter and we wouldn't have made the Jeremy Lin trade. 
Yeah, I yeah I agree with that. I don't think I don't think Atlanta, I don't think Atlanta's trying. I just think, like you said earlier, they're just bad. <laughs> like, there's a difference between somebody purposely losing and just being bad. And like when you bring up the whole the whole tanking thing, um, you look at the Sacramento Kings, they have been pretty good this year. Like to the point where I think I read an article that they were trying to fire their coach because they're winning too much. Like that's horrible. Like <laughs> why would you why would you stop a team from developing and winning when, you know, okay, your rebuild is, you know, is happening a little bit earlier than you probably thought. You know, you got you got Marvin Bagley, who is doing okay, but he's not really doing much to add to the team's winning. They're, you know, they're pretty good. You know, Buddy Hill is is doing work. But um, you know, why would you why would you wanna stop that personal growth just to go get Somebody like um like Zion Williamson or whoever. And by the way, I think fans and um and people out there need to do a better job of scouting um other players outside of the top three. You know, like look at some go look at the Romeo Langfords and the Nazir Littles of the um draft and the Bobos of the draft. You know, just don't focus on two or three players because when when you um. When you get around that time and it's the NBA draft time, fans are looking delusional because they're like, oh, I thought the Hawks were, were doing horrible, so they're supposed to get Zion Williamson. Nope. Like Phil said earlier, the odds and the probability of getting getting that number one pick and number two pick really aren't that great, no matter how bad you are. You only get 14 – you only get like a 14% chance, and that's not a lot. So um, that's my whole thing on tanking. Um as far as like the bottom teams, who you think, who you think, who you, which team do you think is progressing more and more um, as this season goes along? Who do you think? What teams that are pretty bad coming in the season that you think are getting better? And they're like maybe two or three years from actually being back into the playoff race or final contender. Um, well, coming in, I thought the Magic would be worse than us, but they're currently sitting at nine and ten. Um, I mean, I mean, I don't think they'll sustain it. I think they'll fall off. I also think the Kings will fall off. But honestly, if you look top to bottom, the foundation and the group of talent out of the bottom teams, I gotta say we're the we're positioned the best for the future. I mean, we have a good GM in place. We have an owner who's willing to do what it takes. Uh, we have Trey Young. We have John Collins. We have the two picks next year. Assuming uh, we get the Dallas pick, I know we're not getting the Cleveland pick, so you, we can put that one to bed. <laughs> But um, I definitely think uh, next year, if we do this right, we could – because, you know, we're in the East, 36, 38 wins could get you that eight seed. We could be clawing at that next year and then uh, definitely the year after. But it all depends. I really think we have something in Trey Young. Don't let the shooting distract you. Trey Young is a special player. Trey Young is going to be a multiple-time all-star. Yeah, you people – People just they look at the shooting and it's like you can't just go off the shooting. Like the shooting can change depending on whether you have help or not. You know, people try to compare him to Steph Curry and things of that nature. But I believe Steph Curry had like a, a Monte <laughs> Ellis. Like I think Monte Ellis was in his prime when he was with them. Like he was putting up like twenty something points. Like Monte Ellis was not was not a bad player and you put him next to a rookie, that makes him more comfortable to be like, Okay, let me get my shot going. You know, right now Trey Young is out there in the island. Let's be real. Um, before Collins came back, I I don't think he had any real help. You know, Torian Prince was supposed to be better than he is. I mean, let's be real. You know, coming in the season, I was high on Torian Prince. I was looking at him like, okay, this guy might he might be fighting for an All Star. You know, 
all-star, um, you know, pickup at his position. And um, he's come in and he hasn't showed me any any major progress outside of him being able to shoot the three-point pretty well. But even that's falling off lately. Yeah, it, even that's been falling <laughs> off. And so um, uh, Trey Young, he doesn't have a lot of help right now. But like you said, all those picks that we have, um, well, we got the Mavericks pick. So we could very well be picking number one or number two and then pick number seven or eight. Like, that doesn't happen. That's very rare. So you're talking about getting two college probably two college stars, you know. And so, um, in my opinion, I think the Hawks are up there as far as, like, picks. And we got the financial um, – we got the cap room. We got it all to, to – we got everything you need for the future and to be better. But um, I think the worst one is Phoenix. I just – I don't I don't see the Phoenix – I don't see Phoenix Suns progressing at all. Um, DeAndre Ayton is – he might end up being a rookie of the year candidate, but – Something, something's just wrong with them. They're missing something um, for some years. They, I think they should have been further along than they than they are right now. Like with Devin Booker, you got a premier wing. You know, out of all the teams that's rebuilding, you know, Devin Booker probably is one of the best players on the re, on on the rebuilding teams that we have. And you just, you know, you added Aiton, but they don't have anything else. And um, they don't, they don't think they have any like f- crazy picks future picks that they're looking forward to this next year. So um we just look at we just look at that for the rest of the season and see if some of those smaller teams can can um can make some leaps and we'll see who who gets drafted next year and whatnot. But um yeah we're gonna wrap things up. Um thanks for tuning in. What's your um uh, social media? Yeah so definitely uh make sure you all follow me at underscore ATL Phil on Twitter and Instagram and then uh Check out my website, atlsportshq.com. You know, we cover everything. We cover uh, all the sports in the city. Uh, we got a lot of talented writers over there. We got a podcast. You know, we're on Game Time Radio Sundays at 6 uh, with uh, my good guy, E, over there at Hawks Beat. Um, so definitely make sure you guys check that out, atlsportshq.com, uh, atlsportshq, Twitter, Instagram. You know, we got you covered. All right. Well, thanks for coming on, oh, Phil. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, be on the lookout with his stuff. And I got episode three coming very soon. Um, I'm gonna get back on the other stuff, the lifestyle stuff. I had to take a break and um let's talk some NBA. That's very important to me. Um, so you know, we got some other stuff coming on. I got the um New Year, New Me series coming up in January, where I have people come on and talk about um like getting your life together in 2019 as far as fitness goals and dieting. Um, if you start a new business, we got people up here to talk about that. And I'll have um, a motivational life coach up here to um, come up here and talk about like writing your um, your goals for 2019 and sticking with them and being disciplined and whatnot. So got a lot of great things coming up. Um, just stay tuned. Um, we out. <laughs>